of Go Blue with Stu is sponsored by Honey, the easiest way to save money when shopping on your phone or your computer. You ever been in this spot? You're shopping for something online, you get to check out. When I ask you for a promo code, you start Googling, trying to find a way to save some money. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is the free tool that scours the internet for you and finds the one that best fits your cart. Here's how it works. You're shopping, you check out, the Honey button pops up, you click apply coupons, you wait a few seconds, you watch the price you pay go down. Simple. So if you already don't have Honey, you could straight up be missing out. By getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. I never recommend something I don't use. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash March Madness. That's joinhoney.com slash March Madness. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I am your host, Stuart Douglas. Today, we got Zach Shaw with 24-7 Sports, covers Michigan. He's been on top of it lately, so I had to have him on. Zach, you are in San Antonio. How's it going down there? I heard uh, we talked before I hit record. Free margaritas is all I've been hearing in my head. Yeah, yeah, this city, they uh, they know how to throw a party. I mean, anyone who's been here knows the Riverwalk. Uh, it's just like basically 50 bars on top of a river, and they're, they're all serving stuff. And and apparently the airport hotels want to be a part of it. So, no, it's, it's a good time. Really enjoying the warmer weather. Um, I know it's been decently warm this month up in up in Michigan but uh you know today it was like 75 tomorrow's gonna be 80 um so it's yeah. it's nice it's I'd say it's like spring break but I also have to work more or less around the clock so it's it's a little yeah. bit of both well it's been pouring in India okay. so so you're <laughs> lucky but I am interested to hear we, we talked about a little before I hit record but you you know you get to see a new city but then you're like hey I gotta go we got press conferences, we got practice yeah. to cover. And there's like, there's like, uh, you know, a lot of dull time in between there. It's like, you know, when those points are going to be where it's like, all right, we're going to get these certain quotes from certain people, but it's a kind of a lot of waiting around. Is, is that, is that correct? Yeah. It, it kind of depends on the city and like where your hotel is. So like last week we were in an indie, but our hotel was literally across the street from the arena. Nice. And so I have never like, well, I probably shouldn't say it like this, but I've never gotten so much running writing and drinking in in like such a condensed time because I, I didn't have to do any chores you know I didn't have to run any errands yeah and like my commute time like the bar was across the street from the from the hotel and the hotel was across the street from the arena it was like I didn't you don't have to do anything except like what you want to do so it's it's a lot of fun here we're a little further from the arena but it's it's actually really it's, it's kind of an interesting way to do like sea cities I mean I've seen San Antonio before but like LA we went a couple of years in a row with the tournament runs and it's like yeah um you know you write in the morning you root for a morning press conference that way your afternoon can be your own time and um I mean you work hard but but you do get those opportunities to see a city and and uh without sounding like a jerk someone else is paying for it so yeah. it's not, not <laughs> no, the worst way to see the country yeah. <laughs> yeah it's always good okay so see this is I love when people sell indie for me. Like I'm always trying to sell indie in Indiana, and like, and <laughs> where do where do Indians where San, where like where do these like where are those two rank? But like, do you have like top favorite like sports cities? Yeah, in, Indy's probably up there, um, just because the the bar district is so um, so well put together. I think obviously yeah. the downside is is the weather, right? I mean, if if you're covering yeah, time. No. If you're covering a game in January or no, December, we were there for the Big Ten Championship in December, and it was there wasn't a ton we could do. I mean, just go to different bars. And so um, in terms of, like, scenery, it doesn't win. But, man, they are, like, the perfect host city. They have all these bars. They have the, the circle 
thing where I don't know what it's called. Yeah, uh, I always call it the Circle Square, but I, it's probably not actually correct. Because it was, but, it was, uh, uh, it was Market Square Arena, and then we had the Circle. So it's Circle Square. Like, like that's that is what always sticks in my mind too. I don't know why. And then, and then last week I discovered the the River Running Trail. Um, yeah, canal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So I, I like Indy a lot. Uh, San Antonio's a little bit more spread out, like the Alamo Dome, the AT and T Center the Alamo, the, you know, I like the cities where like, I don't have to yeah. get into a 20 minute car ride or Uber ride. Yeah. Um, so LA falls for me. Um, I think my favorite is probably Fort Lauderdale when we cover a couple, like the orange bowl. Really? That's a nice setup. Cause they've got a very nice bar districts. You know, you're, you're never too far from the beach. So yeah. that's, that's probably the dream. Like I, I, I don't root for a certain thing, but if I could root for th- something, I would root for an Orange Bowl appearance every year because they uh, they do it right. And, and the bowl games, they they treat the media too well. You know, we get we get the uh, open bars every single night that we're down there, and the yeah. weather's always nice. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different. I feel like I feel like bowl yeah. games. I mean, we even heard about back in college where like the players were like, yeah, we got this like bowl game credit and I got like a whole stereo system. I was like, yeah. what, the hell? <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? But they do it right with those bowls. And games. it's always like some bowl game that like most of the country doesn't care about. No. <laughs> Couldn't care less. Yeah, exactly. Like go eight and four and get, get, you know, an iPad yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, back then it was like an iPod. It was like gold back then. <laughs> like, right. Oh, eight, oh, 12 or 2012. Like sometime between there it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So I want to, you know, I'm trying to keep up. I said before, I'm trying to keep up with like your posts and like, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with media and like a bunch of coverage yeah. with the tournament. Uh, but first, I want to start out, like, what are some updates with Devontae? Is he going to play? I saw earlier today that he's feeling good and had a workout and was feeling good, but we thought that last time. So is there any more sort of confirmation or is it more game time decision type thing? Um, I mean, they're still going to say it's game time decision. Yeah. Uh, I think the big thing for me, the difference between last week and this week is it, it doesn't feel like they're rushing him. And I don't want to say that they did rush him, but he only did one practice last week. This yeah. time it's it's two. And I think he might have done something the day before too and he tweeted out he was fully healthy on Sunday um so that's a little different than last week where like it was like no one knew no one knew no one knew and then suddenly he's in Indy um this is this is a seems a little bit more um I guess on schedule where he's practicing he practices two days in a row I would think he would be able to play I think the question would be like what kind of role he has and that that we don't know um I think Jawan was smart to not say he's going to play just yeah. in case. Cause I don't, I'm not a concussion expert, but I, I do know that, you know, it's, it's not the same recovery for every concussion and not the same recovery for every person. Um, kind of depends on what your medical history is and stuff like that. So probably still technically a game time decision, but they made him available to the media and uh, I'm, I'm a, they only made four players available and the other were like Hunter Dickinson, Eli Brooks and Caleb Houston. So my thought is they think he'll start and play at least of role I mean yeah the way Frankie Collins is playing and and I mean I, I don't think they need to feel like they have to play Devontae Jones but but at the same time um I know he wants to play I mean we, we heard from him today and uh as anyone who has grown up playing basketball at a level good enough to play in college I tell you like playing in the tournament's like what you dream about and he played four years of college basketball and didn't even sniff the tournament so he's been he's been waiting for this one so um I mean, that's, that's one of the, that'll be one of the feel good stories. If he can, if he can get back and really play a key role in this game that, uh, you know, he's, 
you know, Michigan kind of earned that opportunity for him because when yeah you know, when he spoke with us for, after uh, selection Sunday he was like the only one that was like really excited like he was like I'm gonna go cry when I get home and stuff like that and like oh. at Michigan the way they've been playing in the tournament you don't hear that every year and like they're not saying that every a lot of times they're like right yeah we're on a mission one game at a time you know the kind of the cliches but he was like no this is this is cool and uh so I was really happy to to hear I mean I'm, I'm happy he got to play last week but I'm sure in his mind he's thinking no I want to I want to come back for real and like you know play this game out and be a big a big uh, play a big role in whatever the result is yeah I, it's it was I was thinking about his position I was I was at the game against Tennessee and my buddy actually I had to get the news from my buddy on Twitter that Devontae was out and I was like yeah. oh it must be it must be concussion stuff and I was like this is just he's getting snake bit just constantly and he can't get right and I was thinking in my head and I was like if I am Devontae and I am a senior I'd be absolutely livid that a freshman elbowed me in the face yeah. right before a, a tournament game and especially like Musa nothing against Musa but Musa you know he's, his, his arms are wild right he's right. got he's a gangly guy he's very uh, energetic and he's more uh, action than thought, right? So his I'm elbow like, radius is probably like seven feet. Just holy on hell, own, right? yeah. Let alone his fingertips. Yeah, it's just <laughs> absurd. And I'm like, I'd lose my mind. And he's just been trying so hard. And I'm so happy for him. If he goes 0 for 20 and they lose by 40, like I'll just be happy that he was actually able to like play in a full game. Fingers crossed that he's able to do it. But it's yeah. uh yeah, yeah it's an interesting situation. Those guys don't know it. Like the Michigan kids are like, what are you talking about? Why? Like Devontae is just chomping at the bit. So I bet he's like the most grateful ever for a sweet yeah. 16 win. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I wanted to ask you about the, from a, from a media standpoint, the reception of Juwan. Uh, I think it was, was it Kendall? I can't remember the point guard's name. The, the, the kid that he kind of. Oh, Kennedy uh, Chandler? Yeah, Chandler. Kendall yeah. Chandler yeah and um how that was received obviously very well I would say kind of for like the Facebook mom audience is what I like to call it um not a bad thing but like very much you know into the, that sort of thing and not that it, not that it wasn't genuine but like from a media standpoint have you heard anything from other sides like Tennessee people like how is that received genuinely from other people besides like just you know some nice tweets here and there yeah, well, media, we're, we're humans too. So, you know, we like to see the, the humanity of sport. And so, right. but um, I mean, Jawan's most... punch was just like heard around the world. Like people don't like him right now. So I'm interested to like hear from that standpoint. Okay, that's that's a fair thing. I think I think most people I talk to are like Michigan media and we're like, we're like, we don't want to look at the punch replay one more time. Like yeah. we're, we're way past it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, that's true though. I mean, in terms of like, the people who were maybe calling for his head. I don't think too many people were after yeah. the dust settled, but um, uh, you know, I think, I guess, I guess that does further the perception that I think has been pushed out there that he's a very genuine player loving coach. I, I, I don't know if I've covered a coach who I feel loves his players as much as he does. And, and to be honest, I was just talking to the hotel manager here about it, like part of that punch. And I'm not, justifying I don't really want to get into the debate of it or anything but he did that out of love for his players his players were he felt his players were getting shoved and everything and and I think that's um uh you know that's something he asked that part obviously you have to change and, and correct and everything but yeah I mean every everything I've ever heard about about Jawan Howard is that that he loves his players 
impossibly much. And, and, you know, for those that don't know, Kennedy Chandler, according to uh, Kennedy, they've been, he'd been knowing Jet and playing with Jet and AAU ball since fourth grade. Gotcha. I mean, that's, that's a long time. You know, that's yeah, not like, I realize that. That's not like, oh, we, we bonded in prep school or something like that. I mean, that's yeah. like, you know, you guys, your families know each other. And so, um, so that makes, I mean, I, to me, it made a lot of sense once I heard that. I was like, yeah, that's, um, if anything, my first question after that was, why is he not playing for Michigan? But uh, yeah. you know, it, it is, it is what it is. I mean, obviously, you know, recruiting is so much more than, you know, one thing here and there, but right. um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've always felt Juwan is, is very genuine with his emotions. I feel like he's very, um, uh, he will go to bat for his players and I think players really love him I mean I think not that this is the person I would cite as the gospel of college basketball like Bob Huggins had a nice quote last week he was like I can just tell by the players looks on their faces that they love playing for him and I think I think he's just I mean you can talk to NBA players you can talk to Jet and, and Jace's AU teammates you can talk to college players I mean this, this is a very likable person in college basketball I mean his contact list is probably insane he probably gets the coolest happy birthday text from like the coolest <laughs> people but uh, but you know anyway back to the main point I think I think the big my big takeaway was like yeah he's very genuine um I we were all writing our stories when that happened so so we didn't like see it live or anything um but you know the other kind of cynical take I have is like why is Kennedy going to Jawan as opposed to his coaches and I know like the dynamic of the handshake line is is probably why but um yeah just a genuinely like loving person especially for for his players or people who played with his kids and um I think he gives out a lot of love and I think a lot of yeah. players even if they're not on his team give it back I mean, this is not not the first time I think I think Scotty Barnes from Florida State you know they had a nice moment after the game last year uh I mean even Io DeSumo who never played for Juwan or with Juwan and was committed to Illinois before Juwan was even hired, you know, was giving him a hug after one of the Michigan Illinois games a couple years back. So um, yeah, he's well-known he's, he's well-liked and, yeah. and, you know, especially to the players. I mean, the media, they can say what they want, but the players love him and not just his own players, but just anyone who's involved in the basketball community. Yeah. It, it's um, college basketball is interesting because the, the coaches can, for at least the longest time, especially, especially before social media, they drove their own narrative. Mm. So it would be very much like, you know, we love Bob Knight, even we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes type <laughs> thing, but sure. it is interesting to see like players genuinely like Jawan. And like, I'm very skeptical of college coaches all the time because like the curtain got pulled back for me hard and like, not, that's nothing against beeline. It's just like, that's the nature of the game. Right. And they, they control things. And it's like, it's very different than what you saw before because it was before social media and before people were more honest with these things. So I've been skeptical, like left and right. And like, I've yet to hear a bad thing. And like the first bad thing, although the signs were there with like some of the aggressiveness with Turgeon, where I was like, okay, mm -hmm, sure. all right. that Okay. That was actually a sign. Maybe you should have calmed down a little bit, but it, it's, you know, competitiveness. We can kind of chalk it up, you know, if he keeps doing it, blah, blah, blah. But uh, never heard yeah. a player like former player disgruntled player transfer I mean no. Colin transferred out of Michigan still recommended Michigan to Shondi Brown you know they, they knew each other from the Florida AU but I mean that says something to me he was he was gone he was going to another high major program 
um, probably did not feel like he got a fair shake under Juwan, but still spoke so highly of like yeah. Juwan's character and, and, you know, who he was as a coach. No, I, and it, I, God, it's funny you say that. Cause I was like daydreaming about these conversations that Juwan would have with these players, like, cause players are always, every player always thinks they deserve more minutes, right. And more opportunities. Yeah. And I bet he's the perfect guy to say, Hey buddy, listen, I like you. And I think you're talented, but like, you know what? I didn't play you. I'm not going to bullshit you. It's because I didn't think, you know, you fit in or we weren't going to win. And I, I played the guys yeah. that I thought were going to win, but I still like you. And I, and I bet that player would believe that. And that's not always, that's not, that's a very hard conversation to have. Like it's yeah. easy to kind of spew that out in a couple of sentences, but man, that conversation is difficult. And he has seen it all. And he seems like the most genuine person to have those difficult types of conversations. So it's, Interesting. I didn't realize he recommended Michigan to Sean D. Like that tells that says everything to me, honestly, because that just doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't know if it was glowing, but you know, Sean D. He came sure. in like, "How did you hear about Michigan?" It's like, "Oh, uh, Colin. I knew him from AAU. He he spoke really highly of Jawan and the program." And um, yeah, maybe it wasn't the most glowing, but maybe for someone leaving the program, that actually, it does, I mean, yeah. probably never going to be like perfect, but no, like, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, super funny. I I never heard that story. That's good. I like that one a lot. That that's interesting. That that paints another, adds a little more to the picture. Um, but I want to get to Villanova because you have, this is a very interesting matchup for me. Um, it's a very nuanced conversation I've like had all day of in my own brain. But you you put out a lot of stats there, and their matchups are, it's interesting because they almost kind of align in certain ways, like offensively and defensively, like Michigan's. Uh, pick and roll offense versus Villanova's pick and roll defense, Villanova's three point shooting versus Michigan's three point defense, uh, Villanova's shorts. Like, how are they going to play? Like, there's so many question marks. It's, it could be like a very interesting game. And it feels like a setup for we're, we're trying to predict. Like, I, I listened to UM Hoops guys talk about the game and they talk, they're very smart and they talk very uh, brilliantly about the kind of setup. And I was like, this Michigan team. Like you guys are saying very smart points, like seven different very smart points, and they could turn around and just like go the exact opposite because we have no idea what's yeah. going to go on with this Michigan team. But like, what do you see with this matchup? Yeah, it almost reminds me of different styles and everything, but it almost reminds me of the like Mo Wagner Michigan teams versus the um, what the Isaac Haas, Caleb Swanigan Purdue teams were like, they're just stylistically, they're both can score. Yeah. They're like stylistically different. And like one of them is going to buckle at some point and have to like change their lineup to maybe suboptimally like keep up and we I, I think Colorado State offered at least a little bit of a preview where where they sure. they go small they have centers who can shoot I mean they had a maybe one of the more odd I don't want to say odd in a mean way but like more interesting players in college basketball where he's like a 6'5 260 pounder who can shoot threes like crazy and yeah. so um and you saw you saw Michigan uh you know they had their own things to work out they they looked nervous or or maybe frantic maybe not nervous but they they looked off for the first 15 minutes of the game and then they just looked like the better team but you also saw little pockets where hunter struggled to defend a big man who could shoot or or struggled you know the way that they were kind of creating openings uh on the perimeter and so that's that's something to keep in mind because um dixon he can shoot uh i i I, names are escaping me but like they all their all their starters can shoot and they have a couple bench guys who can shoot threes as well and so um, you know, I think Hunter's going to have a decent time scoring. Uh, you know, I think Michigan's really, really good at putting him and, and Musa in favorable positions. I thought the Tennessee game was a, a nice clinic, even though Musa missed some easy shots. I mean, both of those players had so many opportunities 
near the basket or close enough to the basket where they can make a difference. And um, Hunter's going to be five inches taller than anyone Villanova's going to throw out there. And so he, I think he'll score fine. I think the question is, you know, the defense, will he be able to defend the perimeter? Um, you know, will he be able to, as you, as you mentioned, Michigan, just keeping up on all these different ball screens, all the actions that, that Villanova runs. I think it almost helps that they got the Colorado game out of their system. I, I would not compare Villanova to Colorado state in yeah. a, a skill level or, or, or effectiveness, but at the same time, at least they're not going into this dry because the big 10 this year did not have a ton of small ball centers. Uh, there weren't a ton of guys who were going to you know, pop out and shoot threes, you know, three or four threes in a game. Uh, I'd be curious where Hunter ranked actually among centers in, in three point shooting. And, yeah. and, you know, there just weren't a ton of guys who were six, eight and quick and 240 pounds. You know, there weren't a ton of those types of centers. It was a lot more of the Kofi Coburns and, and, you know, the Hunter Dickinson's and um, you know, just, just a lot of, a lot of big guys. And, and so they didn't have a ton of practice this year. So that's like the one angle is like one of these teams is going to have to change their lineup or change their, their rotation a little bit to try to try to just match, try to keep the other team in check. Um, so I think Michigan will, I, I feel good about their ability to score. I think, it, I don't think it's the same kind of matchup that it was against Tennessee. I think Tennessee was yeah. uh, just a, that, that, it, that felt like every possession Michigan was going to have to like uh, scratch and fight for like two points. And, and this, I think they'll be able to score a little bit more comfortably in this game. They have to make their shots because Villanova, they, they force a lot of threes or force a lot of three point attempts, I should say. Um, but so, so Michigan's going to have to make a couple to keep everyone honest, but to feel like the size advantage helps Michigan on that end, on the other end, they're going to, I mean, they have to guard every single player. If they have the ball three feet behind the line, they're going to have to be right there. So yeah. Um, going to, going to have to see, I mean, it's, you know, Villanova, they, they shot, didn't actually shoot super well against Ohio state. So maybe that's maybe, I don't know, I guess any, any given game, you know, can kind of vary, but they, they're a team, their, their breadth of shooting kind of reminds me of like the 2018 Michigan team. That's an interesting comparison. Uh, it's a very interesting comparison. I mean, Mo is unique. Obviously, no team is going to be perfect, right? Yeah. But yeah. I think that it's funny to, you know, the the hot quote today from Hunter was the <laughs> Iowa comparison. And like, is that wrong though? Went, I'm curious your thoughts. Like that that felt decently accurate, actually. It's. I think it's completely accurate. And I think what he meant was, you know, the the word discipline can be interpreted in a few different yeah. ways, but like. Discipline where, like, you don't got Keegan Murray out there who's a top scorer in the nation putting up whatever shot he feels like. Like, those big men aren't putting up whatever three-pointer they feel like. That's just not how they're going to – that's not how Villanova plays. Uh, But they have the capability. So, they will shoot less crazy shots. And then, like, I, you know, Villanova doesn't have a Bohannon. Like, Iowa will just shoot crazy shots, right? Like, all those guys will just jack up whatever. So. You know, discipline is like a tough word. Not to say I wasn't like super disciplined, but like, you know, Villanova was not letting it fly, but they'll play a similar style. So I thought it was like very apt. Uh, I thought it was perfect. And, you know, people laughed, but it was uh, well thought out from Hunter, which is hilarious. But yeah, he was, uh, I think he was in the mode where he was like talking a little crap because he was like, yeah, Ohio State was booing us. And I was like, yeah, they they need to hear it because it's hilarious what the Big Ten does and they beat themselves up at the end of the year. And then this is what happens in the tournament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah it'll it'll it's gonna be there's gonna be have to be a lot of change in how the teams play i feel like so 
before I would have said, no way, Michigan, like they can't do it. And they've done it so many times now that they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, we don't even care. Like take Musa out and then it'll be fine. Like mm-hmm. they'll just adapt to whatever's going on. Devonte goes out starting lineup. Okay, cool. Like it was like this weird progression where they could not figure out any sort of baseline of who they were first 14 games or whatever. Yep. Then they like, then they were like just that they were like one way for the next 10 games. And it worked a little bit. Like it looked good. Sometimes it looked bad, but it looked better. And then they finally got to the point where like, well, we can be many different types of, we can put many different hats on. And so that's what they've been doing. Like you got Colorado state. They're going to, they know they're going to have to play very different. So I feel like it's like this game where like on paper, you're doing all these like scientific comparisons and Villanova just looks so good. So good. And then you're like, Michigan will come out. And I said this last game and I won't pat myself on the back too much, but like, I was like, listen guys, they didn't look super great against Colorado state, but I like, they're very liable to come out against Tennessee and just look like the better team from start to finish. Even if Tennessee is like the, they are like one of the hottest teams in the country. And that's exactly what happens. And it's like trying to predict anything Michigan does is almost impossible at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Jay Wright kind of talked about it today where he's like, it almost helps them how many different games they had different pieces out. I mean, you think about yeah. Terrence Williams, he missed three different games for three totally different reasons. Hunter Dickinson missed a couple games for two different reasons. Devontae Jones has missed a couple. Um, you know, Musa missed a game. And, and you know, you've just had – and it might seem really small to, like, you know, to, to me or to other outsiders, but, like, you have to go into that game and you have to try a different game plan. You have to try something different. If you, if you just have the same starting five and the same, you know, first three or four guys off the bench the entire season, you're not – getting a chance to challenge yourself or put guys in different roles or experiment as much because yeah, you're just, you're just playing ball. Like you're ready to rock. And and that's why I always notice there's like one or two big 10 teams that bring everybody back who don't actually get that much better. Uh, I don't know who it was this year, but it, but I know like a couple of years ago, it was like Northwestern. They brought the entire team back from their tournament run and, but they, they didn't have that chance to like, you know, there was no, um, I, I guess friction maybe like where they're yeah. trying to like someone's trying to get more minutes or someone new is wow. coming in and, and playing a different role. And, and so I think in a way it helps Michigan, obviously 14 losses is more than they wanted, but, but, you know, in addition to having different pieces out, they also were humbled in a lot of different ways where they kind of had to, maybe they weren't going all the way back to the drawing board, but they were like, well, that didn't work. You know, Iowa did whatever Illinois did, whatever we have to try something different. And so I think, I think, it, it, you know, you don't want to be an 11 seed, but I think Michigan's in this weird spot like UCLA was last year where they're, they're talented, more talented than an 11 seed, but they had so many changes, players leaving the program or players sitting out games or injuries and things like that. And, and they, they almost had so many chances to like go back to the drawing board or go back and like reassess how they're going to play or what's working or who, who needs to be, be what role. I mean, think about Eli Brooks. It feels like, he's had like three different seasons this year where like at one point he was um, you know, kind of in the background and the cursory, just kind of the, the, the background guy. And then now suddenly he's having ISO plays and doing hook shots and, yeah. and creating his own looks a lot more. And so um, I think they're in that weird spot where they're t- more talented than an 11 seed, but they have the experience of an 11 seed where they've really mm-hmm. actually had to experience the ups and downs and, and you see more of your team and yourself and what you're capable of when you, when you have a lot, I mean, sure. You can talk about all the different losses where your team grew, um, you know, whether it felt like it at the time or not, but like, 
Yeah. You're like, well, that didn't work. We have to, we have to reassess a few things here. No, dude, it, that is one of the most insightful things I've heard from not even like basketball players within their own team can talk about like the importance of friction and competition within a team. It's a very touchy subject. Just think it's things like it's normally not touched on, but it's a very unspoken. It's one of the most unspoken important things in all of sports. So it's funny that you mentioned that because that is like, you know, you got the Frankie with the Devante, Devante's brand new, Frankie's brand new. And Eli's been there for four years already. And you got two new guards coming in. So like, there's a lot of things, whether it's not bad, but like, there's a lot of things like even me, even me and Novak had constant competition, like Mm -hmm. always unspoken competition. It just happens. And it's important that you keep pushing each other, but you can't let it affect you too much. It's like, it's a very fine line you walk. So yeah, that's funny. I've never heard anybody mention that before. And honestly, I, I forget about it a lot of times, but it, it is something that uh, it's been very useful for them. Like there's a reason why Frankie comes in and just has that spark. Boom, Michigan State game. And like, because he's he's chomping at the bit to prove yeah. himself and he thinks he deserves it. Like he's not just set in his own role. Like you have to have roles, but you also well, have like Devonte. They love each other, by the way, in open practice. I mean, they're they're um, high fiving. They're, they're like they, they really have a great chemistry, but like is Devonte when he comes back to practice, is he not like, Oh, oh I gotta, I gotta oh, do I, something. To, you know, I gotta this, step it this up. Still my Frankie, team. He's yeah. better than I thought. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Frankie, Frankie, you're good. But like, Hey, I'm, I'm a senior and relax a right. little bit. Like you'll be fine. Yeah. Like you got, you got four more years or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, there's a lot of that. It's, it's hilarious. And it's hard to, it's hard to even speak about it. And then, and then like guys won't talk about it because it's almost impossible and it's too, too much honesty there. So it's sure. a little yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, how long have you been covering Michigan basketball? So my first season was 2015, 16. Uh, My first season where I wasn't, uh, where I was like doing this for like a full-time job was uh, 16, 17. So every season has been either the pandemic or a sweet 16, actually, since I. (laughs) Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You've been, you've been very spoiled, which is, which is nice. Um, but I was, I'm, you, you mentioned Eli Brooks and I missed this in the last, uh, last week when we recorded, when I recorded. And I'm wondering if you can kind of come up with another example in college basketball, but I can't, at least at Michigan for sure. And maybe not, and probably not in the big 10, another player as versatile as him and not like versatile, like skill wise, but like versatile where you're like, Hey, Eli, you're going to shoot three times and guard the best player. And then we're going to win that way. And then next game, you're going to shoot 14 times and you're going to have 20 points and five assists. And then the next game, you're going to like not do anything for most of the game. And then we're going to rely on you in this five minute stretch and you're going to be great. Like I've never seen someone relied on in so many different ways. And in maybe my entire career, like playing basketball, it, it's very unique. And he always seems ready. Like, have you, have you seen, can you make another comparison for him? I, I probably haven't covered enough other teams to have a great comparison but it, but you're absolutely right that he I mean he's almost like a chess master it's like yeah sometimes if you're like a chess player like you need to come out and like you're you're on the attack and sometimes yeah. it's just a patience game and and um the funny thing is you mentioned all the different roles I don't know if he ever got his full credit for any of those roles you know among you know Michigan fans because because he didn't have those really until last week he didn't have like a 20 point game and like a must win situation so, yeah true um, but he's been you know I think he's like the epitome of like when people talk about high IQ basketball players, it's a lot of times it's used like a backhanded compliment where you're like, 
He's not yep. good, but he has I've, a great I've experienced it. Yes. Yeah, right. So it's uh, he's like the he's he just shows, I think, how valuable that could be. Um, I think I, I don't remember who called him. Someone called him the common denominator of Michigan success. I think I asked Hunter about, what, you know, how Michigan has made five straight sweet 16s and uh, Hunter called him the common denominator. I think that's like the exact right way I would describe his yeah, career it's like he, whatever whatever he needed to be he would be that he would be that common denominator the fact that he was there and playing that role um he's got such a cool story I mean I, I remember I talked to his parents a few years back and like he his dad was a coach which obviously is a a common John Beeline recruit trope but yeah. uh, you know he was someone I, I remember his dad was telling me like he started watching film at age seven or eight and not not because his dad was like you need to watch this film he like he like was that kind of perfectionist, that basketball junkie. And so I think, um, you know, I say chess master, I don't say that like to suggest that yeah, anything but a compliment. I think he just literally knows basketball so well that like he sees this stuff two or three steps ahead where he's like, oh, and this, I mean, I don't know if maybe the coaches are telling him he needs to be this role or that role, but I almost wonder if he tells himself like he's yeah. like no, this game you know i'm seeing this point guards on on you know i saw him in warm-ups he was doing this or or you can tell by the look in his eyes i mean it just seemed it's crazy that the his ability to to yeah be the mm-hmm, glue guy is probably an overused term but be that common denominator in michigan yeah. because you look oh he's gorilla glue. He played different yeah. roles too i mean this is not like oh he's finally senior and getting his chance i mean this is someone who um has has really helped Michigan more than I think anyone who looks at you know, any, any casual viewer has, has been able to realize just because he's, he's meshed with so many different players, so many different starting lineups. And, and uh, I'm going to use the word one more time, but he's been that common denominator when, when Michigan's had a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, he's literally like the oldest man in Michigan basketball history, the most games he's, he's the most experienced man in Michigan basketball history. 158 games. That's crazy. Yeah. I I had the record my senior year. I got broke the next year by Jordan Morgan. And then COVID came along and I was like, Oh, no one's uh, Eli is just, that's it. That's, that's set in stone. Like that was done forever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's uh, it's, it's super interesting. It's like, he was so consistent, he got overlooked by the coaching staff. And that's not a bad thing, but the coaching staff had so many freshmen to coach up and they had so many different roles to pull together. It was like, Eli will be fine. You know, we don't have to tell him to do anything. Like, we, we have so many other things to worry about, let alone our team, the other team, blah, blah, blah. And so his role was just never defined. And it just has grown and has blossomed in this beautiful thing where it's like, you always wanted to find a role for players. And this is one kind of instance where it worked out great that you didn't define a role for him. And he's a perfect type of guy to do it. He's got that perfect demeanor for it. He's never too hot, never too cold. And he's always ready to drop of a hat um, and his patience. Like it's interesting to hear Juwan talk about his leadership and other guys yeah. talk about him and you won't see him say a word <laughs> right. on the court. And I love that because I, I, that's how I always tried to play. That's how I was my junior, senior year as a captain. And Zach was always like, you know, the aneurysm of leadership was always the, <laughs> was always the famous thing that he had against Michigan State with that, that blow up. And he was that type of guy and I was not. So it, it is fun to hear that he is leading from that calm standpoint. And not only is he leading, but he's giving his calm skill 
and he's kind of projecting it out to everybody else. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I'm so happy because I was so sad for him for so long for the first 14 or whatever many games. So I was like, Oh no, he came back for this <laughs> and it's just brutal. And he's done so much for the program. He's going to go out in this bad vibe, blah, blah, blah. And then of course it's turned around like perfect because this is, this is what college basketball is. And that's what, how beautiful sports are is in general. Cause you just, you always think, you know, what's going to happen and you have no idea. Yeah, no, my, my favorite, well, not my favorite Eli Brooks story, but, but one I was thinking of just when you were talking just now is, um, you know, last week we asked, I asked Terrence and Jace Howard about, has Eli Brooks like helped you guys like understand what it takes to win in March? And they were like gushing and raving and they were like, yeah, he's like been the blueprint. He's been leading the way. And then I asked like, okay, so what like specific advice has he given you guys? And they didn't have an answer. Like yeah. they, they kind of gave like a, a generic answer. I'm like, yeah, that probably sums it up that, that he's yeah. giving all the, you know, they, they, they sense his leadership more than they hear it, um, which I think a lot of times that's, that's probably the best leadership. Cause I mean, you know, player to player, you, you could speak on this way better than I could, but like the speeches are great, but like, they're not always what you need to like really settle in or get into a zone or, or like get better. Sometimes you just need to see someone else kind of leading the way and, and showing game to game, you know, what kind of value they can be. I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, with, with Eli, I almost, forget sometimes you know I look at the box scores and see like you know who's been good the last 10 games or whatever and he'll have like nine straight double digit scoring games yeah like I don't I I completely overlook it you know in the moment because like he's not like the star but yeah. but you're you know he's almost like um I don't know like a, a jar full of rocks and he's like the sand that fills in the cracks and, and fills in the Perfect. void of like yeah. what's gonna make this uh this team whole and so um and you're absolutely right. I mean, he's he's pretty soft-spoken with us. It sounds like he's less soft-spoken with the team, but at the sure. same time, he's he's always been just kind of um, see and react. And and he's all those cliches of future head coach or head coach on the floor and, you know, high IQ. But, like, I think he, you know, I'm really – as an individual, I'm really happy for him that he got to actually use that uh, in a way where he – I mean, two-year captain, he got to be – you know, kind of the face of the team for a couple of years. Cause, cause sometimes those kinds of players, you mentioned the coach coaches kind of forget, cause you're like, not a, not a liability in practice. You know, he wasn't a superstar recruit. Um, you, I don't, I don't want to say like they, they, they always get overlooked, but sometimes they, they don't get that chance to have like, now everyone knows his name. And I yeah. think if he, you know, if different things had broken one way or another, I don't know that he gets these last two years where he's been able to be, a captain and a face of the team. And, and so, um, I mean, what a good example. I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think you make it very far in the NCAA tournament if you don't have someone like Eli Brooks on your team. And so, yeah, for him to be able to show the rest of the team, I don't know who the next Eli Brooks is. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, that's, that's a discussion for maybe a couple of weeks from now, but, um, you know, Jawan Howard used the word irreplaceable. He said it twice in a row, actually, when I asked him about, Eli the other day and so uh and, and he's right he, he's right I mean if there was one player you could take from this team you know maybe Hunter just because of his size and, and his scoring ability but yeah. it might be Eli Brooks where if you take one player from the team you know what unravels this season the most yeah. it, it probably is Eli Brooks yeah it's uh he's also a great sticking point for me with fans who kind of want to pigeonhole guys early on yeah. like if you would have said like oh eli sophomore junior year not very skilled yeah probably like Plus. you know he'll <laughs> be fine and he'll be like a role player and it's like 
listen, when guys get to a certain level, like there's skill that like, they just can't always show like the skill that you can't imagine that they have and it's there. So it's beautiful to watch him be able to just put that on display and have that opportunity. So it's been very fun. Um, to your point there, the other, the other player is obviously very important is Hunter Dickinson. And that is, that is, you know, it's not an ace of a sleeve because, you know, Hunter's displayed all over Michigan's game plan, but there is no player I think in the NCAA right now, kind of affecting games as much as he is, I think from an individual standpoint, at least in the tournament. And I think he's really turned it on in like the last 10 games. Um, he's playing like player of the year and he's obviously not elected for that rightfully so because of, you know, the whole season, but I just don't know if there's a more uh, impactful player in terms of just like winning a game single-handedly than, than Hunter right now. I'm trying to think of one. I, I don't know if I can. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, I mean, this, this won't be the game where it happens, but if they happen to win and they, they happen to go up against another like good seven footer, I'd be curious, like if it still happens, because, because I will say this is not to discount what he did, but because he had to, he had to make sure that he was still effective, but Colorado State had one guy taller than six, yeah. eight, Tennessee, I think had one guy taller than six, seven, he was six foot nine. So it's, it's been a, it's, he, I'll give him a lot of credit because I think he had an opportunity to be elite last weekend. And he was, I don't think every, every time there's someone taller than someone else, that that taller person's going to be better. Sure. But I think, I think it's a, it's a perfect combination of he had the right matchups. Um, he talked to us uh, on selection Sunday about how much he was looking forward to not playing the same centers that he's been playing the last two years. And, and I, this is kind of the unspoken part that I, I don't have the facts for this, but sometimes I wonder like when, when Kofi Coburn gets the ball in the post, you know, and, you, and you're watching a big 10 game, I'd be curious, like how often does the whip, the, the ref immediately like, oh yeah lip. like they're ready to call they know exactly what's going down yeah yeah and so i think um and, and ed i think was in a similar but i mean there's just there's just some so much of that like yeah the big man does the post up and they get the foul every time in the big 10 and, and in the ncaa that doesn't always happen i think that really helped mo wagner he i remember more so 17 than 18 but he could never stay on the court he always got that second foul and then he's wild he stopped um playing in front of the same officials in the big 10 setting every game. And all of a sudden he's on the court and he's amazing. And so, uh, so you have that, you have the, the good matchups, but he also like, I think his, um, I mean, he's just a legitimately funny person, but I think sometimes that distracts from like how crafty and hard of a worker and like how devoted to the craft of, of scoring in different ways uh, he is. I mean, I, I remember, you know, he's not, he's not Luca Garza. They're, they're totally different players, but like mm. they, they knew each other, they played against each other. And I think they they're similar in the sense where like, they, it's almost like a video game where they've got like this dialogue of buttons in their head that they're like, okay, he's, he's got his elbow here and his hips here. And, and they're like figuring out the best way to score. And you can almost yep. see the thought process on the court. Not every big man can do that. Sometimes big men are just big and they score. And, so, yeah. and he's, he's someone that just has this whole, catalog and in the three-point shooting but also his mid-range shots I thought got a lot better this season you know just yep. the little hooks or the uh, or the turnaround shots it's crazy and um, I mean against Tennessee he was hitting pretty much all of them and and you could just see the the catalog working I mean it's uh and that's again I don't think Tennessee's 
hanging their hat on their post play this season. So that, that was probably a slightly favorable matchup for him, but he got a lot better this season. I don't think he ever got enough credit for how much better he got because the team got worse, but he got a lot better. And I think you're seeing now that he isn't playing, you know, the same big 10 big men who know, who have a full scouting report on him. Yep. And, and um, you know, the officials who maybe already have what, what calls they're going to call in mind suddenly he's blossoming suddenly all that improvement is is really showing in a big way not to mention i mean he's he's not not a leader too you know he might not be getting all the captain credit that that um eli brooks gets but like he's on the court he's he speaks with us after losses he you know he puts a lot of this team on his shoulders and i think i think that really um says a lot about him but also you know says a lot about you know how much this team looks up to him yeah, definitely. I mean, sophomore and Frankie's a freshman. Moose is a freshman. Kale's a freshman. And that's three of the six guys that play the most. I mean, Terrence is a sophomore. So, yeah, he, he had to take on that leadership role early. Uh, yeah. he, he got spoiled a little bit. I think it was a learning curve for him at the beginning of this year, for sure. And he, you know, I think you saw in the first 14 games or where we keep, I keep mentioning 14, however many games it was, he wasn't the same, uh, Hunter that he was last year and he was like okay I got things gotta be a little different I gotta change a little bit and he has progressed just immensely and I think he caught a little big old chip on his shoulder he heard Kofi first team and talking about player of the year candidates yada 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 he wasn't mentioning any of that and he's like screw this and he I mean just like Michigan that there's no it's not a coincidence that they're peaking at the same time like (laughs) <laughs> He's playing like a player of the year while Michigan is playing like a three seed or whatever it is, like a, like a right. top team in the nation. So it's uh you'd always say peak in March. And I, I, my team's never had that. And you just, you know, you weather the storm and you peak in March and everything is golden. And that's exactly what's going on right now. So it's beautiful to watch. Um, uh, before we get out of here with your predictions, I'm interested because um, in Indy, it was very orange. It was very vault volunteer orange i didn't like it and i'm wondering what the uh, vibe is down there with michigan fans have you have you seen some michigan fans down there are they funneling right now or what's going on uh i think they'll outdo villanova i, I think i think they'll they'll have the fan advantage for that one but that's fair um you know there's a lot of alumni in, in dallas and houston austin and, and probably san antonio too i i and i've talked to a a few over the years and they're like every time michigan football or basketball plays in texas we go or we try to get a that makes a lot of sense go. yeah because it's not that often i mean they're not yeah. doing non-conference games with texas or baylor or anything like that and so um you know they try to make a make a point to go so that that should help um unfortunately for michigan and villanova getting to san antonio from the north right now is insane i don't know if you've looked at prices or fans like took a peek at prices no it's it's brutal i mean this it's it's a small airport they don't have like a they're not like an airport hub or anything so it's just the prices are are crazy high um once you get down here it's not you know an overly expensive place to visit but but yeah it's uh it's a tough place to get to so i think i think if if michigan were to advance whether it's houston or arizona because arizona is a longer road trip but houston i mean that's three hours from here yeah that would be a road game that would be like playing Kansas in, in Wichita or playing Duke in Charlotte. It seems like sometimes these regionals are just put exactly where they, they think a one seed can go. And so yeah. or like playing a, 
you know, a Gonzaga and Seattle. Like it would be that kind of level of, of uh, road environment. But for tomorrow, I think Michigan will have the fan advantage. I, I don't know a ton about Villanova's, how, the, how well they travel, but yeah, one, they're a smaller school. Two, I don't think they have the alumni presence in Texas that, that Michigan does. Because um, I've, I mean, I, I've covered a couple events in Texas at this point. Um, you know, it was a football game back in 2017. There was the Final Four a couple of years, a few years ago. Um, Michigan travels really well, and their alumni events will get, you know, for those games, it was like a thousand plus people at these alumni events. I don't yeah. know if they'll get that tomorrow because it's a Sweet 16 and it's it's on a Thursday. So if you work in Dallas, you might not be making right. the trip, but but um They'll do better than Villanova. I don't think they have a chance to do better than Houston. And right now tickets are, I mean, if you are in Texas, tickets are pretty affordable compared to the other sweet 16 events. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Tennessee was Villanova. waiting for that one though. In terms of last week, I know, I know some Michigan fans were like surprised that Tennessee traveled so well, they travel crazy well. And that was like, it's not, and it was, it's not far from Indiana. People don't realize this. Yeah. Close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like Lexington was like two hours because Kentucky yeah. was in the same pod. Um, those two fan base, I knew they were an outdraw an 11 seed Michigan Yeah, in, in that event and uh, yeah. credit to Michigan. I don't, you know, everyone is worried about it in the first five minutes of the game. They quieted the crowd. Oh, they, they, they didn't ever seem phased by the moment or anything. Michigan controlled the whole game and then Hunter, for whatever reason, let the Tennessee band know <laughs> what he was saying at the end. That was very funny. Um, before we got out of here. Zach, the one thing, one of the one things I hate the most in this world is predictions, but I'm going to make yeah. you predict this game <laughs> and I'm going to throw mine out there too. And I will start, I'm going to go with one. I, I, ha, I saw the line at uh, Musa over under eight and a half points. And I think it's going to be over there. I think he, he's got mm -hmm. an, also a height advantage on all the other Villanova yeah. guys. And they're all going to be focused on Hunter's height and kind of working around him. Villanova does a lot of switches and I think Moose is going to kind of be forgotten because he's had quieter games. So I'll, that's one prediction I will make. The game prediction, I think it's going to be in the 60s. I'm going to go like 68, 64, Michigan, a little bit of a homer score there. But I think it is going to be a little lower, going to be a little slower, uh, and a little, little better defense. And then what was my other prediction? Oh, Eli over 12 points. I think that was like an easy one for me. And I'm like, yeah, those three, boom, running with it. But what, what yeah. do you got in terms of score? What, what are you predicting? I like the Eli over under, by the way. He's the, the, the announcers are going to say like four times tomorrow. He's playing like he doesn't want to go home yet. Um, <laughs> which, but, but it's true. Yeah. It is true. I mean, you know, he's like the one example of like, okay, no, he, he, he really he's is real. thinking about this. Um, yeah. I... I keep thinking like I, in my head, Villanova is the better team, but I keep trying to look in like the NCAA tournament lens. And I don't think, you know, there's, there's a couple things that give me pause. One, Michigan's just so much taller than Villanova yeah. down low. And like, at some point that's just going to lead to some easy buckets and, and some easy block shots. And they're going to be able to rebound really well. Um, Villanova is already not a great post defense team and they're not a great uh, defensive rebounding team. So like, even if Michigan's a little off from three at some point, they're going to get like some freebie buckets here and there. So I I'm kind of, and the other thing with Villanova's I was looking at their schedule this season. They've had a great season. I don't, other than UConn, I don't believe they've beaten like a true in Tennessee. They beat Tennessee like the second week of the season, but right. other than Tennessee and UConn, they don't, it's not like they've, 
you know, they, they lost, they lost a lot of really impressive games, you know, to Purdue or to, um, uh, to Baylor, you know, a couple of the other teams in my head are escaping me, but like, I don't, I, I think if I'm viewing Michigan just from what they showed in the NCAA tournament, I think this is much more even in terms of talent, skill level, who's peaking at the right time and stuff. Uh, so I, I, I often, my, my readers will tell you, I, I often pick against Michigan and they like when I pick against Michigan because a lot of times Michigan will win. Kind of, I just, I can't get past those two things that yeah. like, I don't think Villanova's this like juggernaut and, and he, despite being, despite their seed, and I just, I think Michigan has a height advantage that, I mean, basketball coaches recruit tall players for a reason, yeah. right? <laughs> like, like Can't at some height. point, science, science takes over just a little bit. I yeah. mean, you know, teams with short centers obviously can win, and Villanova very well could beat Michigan. I think they could blow Michigan out the way they get hot sometimes. But I, I'm actually going to lean Michigan. I, I've got a little higher scoring. I'd probably go, like, Michigan – 80 Villanova 76 something oh, dang. okay something in that in that nature um it sure would be fun I, I always yeah that would be a lot more fun games that would be I'm... way better to watch yeah yeah <laughs> but, the 60s uh, is like a like a big 10 game like, people don't want to see that stuff but yeah but, we'll but see. Michigan is is just hard to predict too because they could they could throw th- lay an egg um or they could lay an egg early and come back like they did a couple times last week so yeah difficult to predict I just no, impossible. Don't my gut on that one. Yeah, it, it is truly impossible uh, to predict. I mean, I would not be surprised if Michigan won. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost by 20. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of sticking with that Hunter factor. Last week, it was, oh, Tennessee is so good defensively across the board. And then Michigan was like, all right, cool, whatever. We got Hunter. And then we're going to like, yeah, we're going <laughs> to exploit every every spot that they haven't uh, been exploited in yet. So you just, ne- you never know. And that tournament lens, that's a, that's a perfect way to put it. Cause that's how I view it. It's like St. Peter's is in the sweet 16. So the tournament lens, like it's very different than looking at the stat sheet. So it'll, it'll be fun. And Zach, I appreciate you coming on. This was great talking to you. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we're talking next week again, or, or, you know, you know, coming back to this and, and watching them in the following weekend. So it'll be fun. But Absolutely. What? What a great podcast you're on. You're such a good podcast host. So thanks for having me on.